you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the NFL Podcast. Greg secretly wants to deep six the money tags. Hey, f*** you, Greg. (laughs) Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansen. Coming to you from a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler. Greg Rosenthal and the great Patrick Claybon. What's up, gang? I mean, that that, that couldn't be more wrong. I've said multiple times on this podcast, and I know how the interaction always goes, that the money tags is my favorite part of the show. So and when then, did you sour on it? And then Dan says, like, oh, why why are you, you know, on the rest of the show? And then I say, <laughs> no, it's just like it's a fun little surprise. It's a great entry into the show. Circa 2015, this was a convo. I love it. I'm not trying to kill it. All right. Well, that's I wouldn't mind settled. just isolating the end of that particular money tag where it's F.U. Greg. I mean, I think that, <laughs> that, that has legs. Very valuable. Very smart. In fact, Erica, during the show, can you work on that and then um, float it back up at the appropriate time? I think so. I mean, it's funny, too, because I asked, like I send money the list of stuff to record and that little improv at the end was not written down. So that was just money recording it like that. And I was like, this is so what great. A talented radio man. Like he, he can, you know, he can fly into worlds of uh, new creativity there. All right. Welcome to the Thursday show. We've had a action packed week here. Well, you know, everything has been action packed. In our country, not all of it good, a lot of it very bad. But we are uh, talking about the action in the football world, which is coming fast and hard this weekend because it's super Ah! wild card weekend uh, for the first time ever. For the first time ever, six games played in the first weekend of the playoffs. And um, I, for one, very excited about it. I'm not as, when I'm studying the games, Mark, I'm not as hot on the. NFC slate. I'm really looking. I'm spinning forward in my mind already, uh, my mind to the divisional playoffs on that end of things. But which, by the way, is going to, of course, then mean the best games are going to come out of the NFC. But for now, I'm kind of zoned in on the AFC, which has intrigue all over the place. I know for you as well. Yeah, I think that that's fair. I mean, you look at the slate of games, and the AFCs have um, immediate sex appeal, and there's a couple dogs in the NFC, but I, I'm with you. I think that can, you, you'd like to think that would lead to um, premier matchups in the next round. Doesn't always happen, but, um, you know, we've got the Packers hanging out there, a team, a Packers team that I'm excited about um, more than ever before, and we can get to that next week. How about we deal with what uh, is on, on tap for this week right now? <laughs> Absolutely. Patrick Claiborne, how are you doing, buddy? Uh, Great to have you back. We haven't had you on the show since the Christmas special, and it's always a, a nice time when Claybot's in the house. Yeah, it, it's um, we got all the decorations down, so so that was step one. I mean, the lights that's going to require uh, a ladder and stuff. So I'm I'm giving myself an excuse there. Uh, but yeah, Lauren got all the decorations down. Um, you know, we've got a few needles up, and it's it's almost like it, it never happened, and we just. Uh, <laughs> Turn the page to another year where uh, bad things happen. So uh, yeah, we, <laughs> doing doing about as good as everybody else. We're, we're all ha- happy and healthy here. All right, very good. All right, so 
We're going to go through the games. Saturday, uh, which has an AFC game and two NFC games. Sunday, two AFC games, one NFC game. So let us begin. Unless anybody else has something else to say, I'm going to start. We're going to dig in now to super, <laughs> su, 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 super wild card weekend. And again, no one approached us. We are creative entities. Uh, we've built this podcast from scratch into something that's a, a global brand. And yet, when it was coming time to dress up wild card weekend, uh, instead of consulting with the creatives, they just slapped another, the super mm. Uh, fixed super on once again, Claybon, and it just feels. I'm going to say it. And I know this could get me in trouble because they are my employer, but short sighted. I, I think they take they take a long view, Dan. Uh, you know, coming from uh, my my background with uh, CBS, uh, there are years where you can say super on, on broadcast television uh, because you have <laughs> the game, and then there are years where you have just a litany, just a giant list of emails. It's like, don't say Super Bowl. Like the big game, the, the big game, the, the the championship clash. But if you say Super Bowl, then some lawyer somewhere is gonna you know come and threaten you with whatever, making your non compete worse, and then you know firing so you, replacing you somebody with somebody straight out of J school. But anyway, um, so is the NFL flexing again on their power, their grip mm. of the word Super this time of year? Yeah, well, like what 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 do we own? Oh yeah, Super. Yeah, Super okay. Wild Card Weekend. Right, that makes Boom. sense. Well, I want to hear you throw out some, you know, alternatives, Dan, throughout the show. But I also would never question the NFL in terms of their branding and their naming. I mean, just think of the foresight it took to name us and have us change our name from uh, around the league to around the NFL so we could link up and have the same name as a TV show that has now not been on the air for five years. <laughs> and it so, never featured us. Never featured us. And we were never on that show. So yeah, we were never there were some dis- I had suggested bloated wildcard weekend, which <laughs> fell on deaf ears um, on the third floor. Oh, unfortunate. And of course, um, this all ends with the Super Bowl on the um, first or maybe second week of February this year. That was coined by uh, original Chiefs owner Lamar Hunt, who was inspired by his son's toy called the Super Bowl. So, I mean, even that, which is now an iconic brand, the Super Bowl, uh, that very modest beginnings there. Not exactly a trillion-dollar think tank uh, put that one together. And yet we all, uh, you know, we would look to it as American as apple pie. I don't know. Let's get to it. <laughs> Rest in Saturday. peace, Lamar Hunt. <laughs> AFC, it starts with an absolute banger. I don't, again, jeez, I don't want to keep getting on the leak. I don't agree with this being the early game. I would have flipped it uh, with Tampa, Washington at night. But instead, you have the Colts, the seventh seed, traveling to Orchard Park to face the number two seeded Buffalo Bills, 105 p.m. Eastern on CBS. And uh, Mark, uh, I just saw some footage floating around on Twitter. Um, a lot of bad footage on Twitter right now, but some really uh, lighthearted, joyful footage of the Bills practicing and super light on their feet, bouncing around, dancing, just filled like a team that looks as loose as a team can be. And there's no one playing better than the Bills right now. Uh, that video tells me that the moment's not crushing them. How do the Bills not romp this weekend mm. after everything we've seen leading into it? I love that you mentioned that because that clip of them dancing – 
to uh, You Can't Touch This, uh, which in, I was surprised that was the song. Oh, it's Hammer. But, um, yeah, a little bit of Hammer. But there's a, if, you, if you watch that clip, um, at one point, Josh Allen uh, kind of sneaks into frame and does like his version of what he's trying to dance with the rest of the crowd. It reminded me of being like a sixth grade dance when you were back in middle school, just trying to do anything you could to not look like a total fool. But they look loose. Um, and to your question, Dan, that vibe that they're bringing, I mean, that's... That's new for the Buffalo Bills, and I think this is a um, an ideal first test for them. It, it feels like a wild card test. This isn't the mightiest uh, opponent you could pick in the AFC. I guess if you're the Colts, what do you do? You want to try to go punch for punch on offense um, and like have Jonathan Taylor do what he's done over the last couple of weeks. He's been phenomenal. This Buffalo defense is um, different than what we talked about seven or eight weeks ago. They've they've shorted up. They've been a much better defense. Their secondary, I think, will give the Colts fits through the air. And I, uh, my my answer would be, I don't see anyone stopping the Bills. I, mm. Not in this game. I think the, the Colts are a well-rounded team. They've got some they've got some stars on defense. I don't think it's going to be enough. I just don't. Yeah, there's not much reason to think the Colts win this game. They would have to outcoach the Bills. They would have to win the turnover battle. You know, they, they are, I think, second in the league in turnover margin. They've got some playmakers on defense. That, you know, if they get a chance or two, they got to take advantage, whether it's Kenny Moore or Julian Blackman or DeForest Buckner. Um, and they don't turn the ball over either. Despite Phillip Rivers, they're, I think, third or fourth in the league in the fewest turnovers. And so can you can you go plus two? Can you shorten the game, which is my least favorite strategy ever? Because it's just like usually it's shortening the time that you know you have a chance to win. But when you're an inferior team, and I think the Colts are an inferior team, it, it's maybe not that crazy of a strategy. These two defenses are kind of similar to me. They're both trying to prevent big plays, make you earn it, going down the field, hoping for mistakes. They've both been pretty good at doing that. It's just the mismatch compared, you know, when you compare the two offenses is massive. I mean, you have the quarterback playing the best in the league, and you have Phillip Rivers, who I love, but I don't think um, played his best down the stretch. I would say he's he's probably about league average in terms of a starting quarterback right now. Hey, and, and maybe even a little you, worse. Greg. Hey, Philip. I mean, I've been. Um, I guess that was money, really. I've been saying you're a Hall of Famer for years. It's nothing personal. I, I do think it's a it's a problem that everybody you know kind of highlights Jonathan Taylor uh, as the the means with which uh, this this Colts team can compete with with Josh Allen and company. Um, it's kind of a sign of uh, I think the way we feel about Philip Rivers at this point, and really the the Colts passing attack. Um, and and Greg, you brought up uh, the. Their second in turnover differential, and I, I guess it's kind of a cop out when it's like, well, how can uh, the Colts win well, by making turnovers? Well, that's that's how everybody wins. But honestly, yeah, the way people feel about this defense, uh, where you're, you're looking at it, it's like, uh, is this Colts defense really that good? Well, the, the way that they've been staying above water is by making these turnovers. And DeForest Buckner, that that move worked out. Um, one one of the best interior guys in the entire league. Um, and when they get pressure with four guys, um, they haven't allowed a touchdown all season. Our, our friends at NGS uh, sent us that this week. And so the problem is you're playing Josh Allen. And, and how many times are you willing to just send four guys at Josh Allen and give him all day to throw the ball 80 yards or whatever he wants to do, whether he wants to run it or not? It, it just it, it's hard to it's hard to envision uh, a, a circumstance where the, the Colts can just, you know, play a regular football game. I think they're going to have to take chances. They're going to have to get outside of their comfort zone, get out of the cover two and like try to 
mess something up because if, if they don't, then I, I really think this is just a breezy twenty-eight to seventeen win or something like that. This this is yeah. To me, the way only way this happens is if Josh Allen falters, and you, you're not hearing about it. It's funny because you heard about it. Uh, back-to-back years, although strangely not as much this year with Lamar Jackson uh, with his struggles uh, in the past two Januaries, and is he going to bounce back from it? I remember the podcast after the wild card round lost by the Bills to the Texans last year, and you, I mean, I was very hard on Josh Allen. I remember Greg, who was a late converter as well to Allen. I think we all were um, because he played so poorly in the second half, and not just that he he struggled from the physical standpoint of doing the job, but it seemed like he mentally uh, struggled. Now, that's one of the great subplots of the 2020 season. That guy, not only does he seem far away, he seems like dead. That version of Josh Allen, there's no way he could exist, right? And I think that's the only way the Colts win this game. And I do Mm. respect the Colts. They're a good team. Is that if Josh Allen starts putting the ball on the ground and throwing the ball up for grabs and starts pressing, if let's say Jonathan Taylor rips off an 80-yard run and all of a sudden it's 14-7 to uh, late in the second quarter and then Allen's trying to press and like, that's the only way I see it. But I don't because that's not giving Josh Allen enough credit for what he's done this season. Well, that would be one of the biggest surprises of the entire campaign if suddenly Josh Allen right. went into the game and looked like the Josh Allen from last January. That, To your point, I think that's that's ancient mythology at this point. I'd be a little bit concerned. You don't have Cole Beasley, probably. Um, you, John Brown's going to have to have a big game in this one. Like Stefan Diggs is not practicing right now. and I, He I'm was sure dancing in that video, though. I'm not worried no, about it. And sure he finished last fine, week's game, so I think he's fine. I think the loss of Cole, Cole Beasley would matter more probably a week or two from now, depending on who the opponent is. I mean, they can get by here. Um, but unless you get like Darius Leonard having the game of his life and you know blowing up Josh Allen on a sack that – uh, at this point, like you know, creates a turnover and points that you wouldn't have expect for the Colts. I, I'm with you guys. I just I don't see this as a stopping point for a Bills team that is on fire. Well, I I think the Colts, you know, have the defense to slow them down for a quarter or something. They, the the Bills remind me a lot of a Chiefs uh, of the Chiefs. Do you want to die fast or do you do you want to die slow? And I think the Colts are going to say we want to die slow. You look at the last time Josh Allen looked mortal. It was against the Chargers. He, he struggled in that game. They they kind of are, are a similar play it safe, make you earn it type of defense, and that's what the Colts are. Like if you watch the Dolphins game last week. They intercepted Josh Allen right off the bat. They stopped him for three straight drives. But the score after that was three to nothing. Like, it's just like the Chiefs. Like, if you happen to get an early Allen pick or you get three stops, you better put some points up fast because it's not going to last all game. Like, they're going to adjust. Allen has such a good pocket feel. Dable adjusts, like, to what the defenses are. You're only going to stop them for so long. So you better be able to, like, put up a lot of points in the meantime if you do get those stops. And I don't really really see that because the Bills defense is probably playing better than the Colts defense is right, right now. So even if you do get those stops, like it's kind of like Mahomes. Yeah, you could spot the Bills 10 points and I wouldn't be that worried about them it, in this It's game. no small thing that this is a playoff game in Buffalo for the first time in 24 years um, with fans in the stands. And Good Morning Football is pointing this out and I love it. Fans that have never seen Stefan Diggs play. They've never seen this version of the Bills. And so, uh, you know, look at I just think this is going to be a celebration as much as anything. And uh, we can keep spinning 
you know, narratives on how the Colts can make an impact here <laughs> surprise us. But surprise us, because I get, I do think if you're Indianapolis, everyone's just sort of saying you're done. And they'll make it earn it you know, though. Like we we don't like the NFC slate in some way. I think because you could argue the three worst teams in the playoffs are the Washington, the Bears, and the Rams. And, um, you know, the Colts aren't in that group. Like, they, I think they'll make you earn it at least. They're not like a total push. Yeah, I don't want to disrespect. Yeah, we're not disrespecting the Colts uh, because they just got – they pulled a bad matchup in week one. They, it yeah, was they're solid team. arguably the last team you want to see in this weekend of football, even if you even if you bring in the bye teams. I, I'm serious. I, the, the Bills have been playing at that level. And Stephon Diggs, yes, it's an oblique injury. He's – uh, downgraded to out and practice on Wednesday. Remember, last time he was on the injury report, uh, it was a foot, and he didn't practice ahead of the Patriots game in Week Six, sixteen, and he had 175 yards and three touchdowns mm. by the beginning of the fourth quarter in that game. So I think they're managing a guy that has had 124 catches this year. Clay Bonnie, have any final thoughts on this game before we move on? Um, yeah, if um, if if folks are if Colts fans are, are agitated with this. Like we would just we would just need them to play a little bit better against Mike Glennon, uh, you know, six <laughs> days ago for us to feel super excited uh, about the Colts. Love you guys, but uh, uh, come on, That's no, An- no Anthony Costanzo. <laughs> you know, this would this could be Philip Rivers' last game. It would be quite a Philip Rivers moment to get into a big time shootout. Uh, I'm hoping to see it, but I'm just hmm. not. I'm not, I'm not expecting. Do it. what? What is Greg going to do when Philip Rivers finally? Walks away from the NFL. I've never. I don't think I've ever known a person, and that includes I know Chargers fans who are bigger Philip River, uh, you know, disciples than Greg. He is he, next level on this front. He's the ninth child. He's a hall. Mm. He's a he's a Hall of Fame, you know, quarterback. I saw you know our buddy Will Brinson trying to make some case where like Matthew Stafford's a Hall of Famer, and he like puts Stafford and Rivers and. Matt Ryan oh, in the same crew, and I'm like, Philip Rivers has been a top five or six quarterback almost his entire career, and it's like Matthew Stafford is not in. That's the thing. I just and he's fun okay. to watch. He's a, he's a, and, he, and, he, and he you've always shown the ability to look the other way uh, in January when he stumbles. So the win or lose, Greg's not going to be really taking a hit here uh, for the Colts. Right. Well, I'm picking the Bills to win this by a few scores. So I'm Doesn't it feel like feel Philip it. Rivers isn't going to leave the game because he loves it so much until he's terrible? And he's not. If the Colts give him the job next year, I think he's back. It's really going to be up to Frank Reich and the Colts. So I hope they do it. Yeah, he's the sort way, of said the he way, didn't want to go anywhere else. So the way Rivers plays the game, like is he ever going to be like that terrible where you have to pull him off a of football? Like he he could do That's this fair. for a long time. That's fair. Uh, all right, so we all have the Bills uh, moving forward, just like the rest of the world. Let's move to the middle game. It is uh, over in the NFC. The number six seeded Los Angeles Rams. Uh, head to Seattle. Uh, I still call it the clink, but it is now Lumen Field. I don't know uh, why Mark. they did that. Uh, the people at Lumen really pinching themselves, having the naming rights to one of the great facilities in the league. Uh, the number three seed, Seattle Seahawks. This is a 4.40 p.m. Eastern kickoff on Fox. Um, I guess we start with the quarterback position. Greg, where are we at uh, at recording right now? It is... Thursday, uh, nearly three o'clock in the East uh, on Jared Goff. Well, we don't we don't know, which is annoying because we we might know by the time people hear this, they'll have to do the injury report. The fact that Goff was practicing, you know, makes me think he's going to play. That you know, Ian Rappaport put it out there early in the week that it would be a challenge, which seemed to go against what we saw with our eyes with him throwing the ball pretty well. And um, unless McVeigh is you know going to 
pull a fast one and start Walford over Goff when he's available to play. If you're out there practicing, usually your starting quarterback is playing. And if you're a Rams fan, and yeah, I feel bad there. I put them in the you know one of the worst three teams in the in the playoffs. That's by record. I'm actually picking them to win this game. Um, because I think it, I, I think it's a defensive game either way, and I think they have the better defense in both matchups. They averaged more than half a yard per play more than the Seahawks, even the last time around. So I've seen the Seahawks in eight quarters against this Rams defense, and it's not great. And I think I think the better defense uh, can still win this game on the road. Going back to that last game, uh, it it I, I I lean Seahawks here specifically because uh, in that tight. What was a defensive matchup? Uh, you saw in short yarded situations a Rams team that needed Jared Goff to do something with his legs, and it was just consistent that he wouldn't do it. And so now he's down an opposable thumb, uh, which is tough because it's kind of the foundation of our success as a species. Uh, so it, it, I, I can't if I'm if I'm evaluating these teams. I, I love Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. Um, I, I think you know in a, in an era where teams are scoring more than ever, this defense kind of stands out. Uh, but if it's John Walford or Nine Finger Jared Goff, it, it's just really hard for me to go uh, with the Rams in this matchup. Don't don't discount Claybon the miracles of modern science, though. He's you know you never know the surgery was done. I think they put a pin in there. Who knows? He might actually be feeling pretty good. I wanted to it's see not Walford. completely out of commission. I wanted to see Walford. Of I course really you did. did. Well, everyone does. I, you know, I, I drive around and listen to a lot of like L.A. talk radio. I don't know why I do this, but I do. But um, <laughs> people are ready to throw uh, Jared Goff into the sea. I mean, it's like I, I get that he. And listen, I've been a, a super critic of Jared Goff, but um, the immediacy with people with with which which people are done with him is is. Quite stunning. I look at the Ram. I think the Rams' defense is the best group in the game, and, I, and these two teams know each other really well. Seattle last week um, against the Niners had 109 yards of offense heading into the fourth quarter. They have issues, and they don't match up real well against the Rams. I mean, their biggest weapon is DK Metcalf and Jalen Ramsey. We all get it. He's going to erase his production to some degree. Metcalf. Last four games against the Seahawks, 59 yards, 28 yards, 78 yards, 44. And when he's against Ramsey, he's had one catch for 11 yards on four targets on his past 53 routes against Ramsey. So that is a problem for um, the Rams, for the Seattle to figure out. And I think Brandon Staley is, you know, he's getting head coaching interviews because they are finding out that this is one of the more innovative um, defensive coordinators in the league. And I just trust the Rams, you know, whether it's Goff or magical John Wolford to uh, to take care of business here. <laughs> wow. Wow. In no, fact, just, you know what I'm going to do? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I'm going to lock up the Rams for the first oh! time in probably four years. Why not? They're going to win this game. Oh! Look at you, Sessler. Even you said, you know what I'm going to do? And we all knew we were going. And then you could, I could see it. It was the gears are turning. Am I really going to do this? Am I really going to do this? And then he said, I'm going to do it. And well, why am I doing this? They I don't know. They have a quarterback but... that's starting his second game, potentially. <laughs> I, I think... I'm going to think about this. That is a soft lock. and I. Oh, no. No. Here's the problem. I wanted Ooh, to lock up time. the Bills, but totally forgot. Am I not allowed to lock up the Bills? Uh, not in good conscience. All right. But that's up to I'm wait, why lock, not? No, it's the playoffs. You can lock any team no, you want. Bro, I don't you, buy you that. We've done rules. we've done that forever. We've done it forever. You lock whoever you want. How about this? I will lock one of these two teams, but I have currently it's currently the Rams. It might become the Seahawks. <laughs> so all right. So if it's Wolford, um 
That's very interesting because uh, he did play pretty well in that game after watching it. Um, the Seattle offense, like you said, I just don't know if we're ever going to see it be exciting again this season. And maybe they flip the switch. I think that's the only way the, the Seahawks are a Super Bowl contender is if they go back to the way they were as an offense earlier in the season. But maybe that's just not possible uh, for whatever reason. Um, and that's why I think picking the Rams, as tough as it is, when the quarterback situation is so unsettled. I think both these teams are entering the postseason in on shaky ground, and I think either team, um, it would make sense to me if they ended up mm. losing, you know, 24 to 9 and was like, oh, I can't believe this happened. Jamal Adams is a big piece of it, too. Um, the strong safety said Wednesday that he is playing, quote, no question in my mind, but this is a shoulder injury. This is a guy that's makes his game on living near the line of scrimmage, hitting people. Will he be the same guy? Will he make it through the game? That's a major subplot because he's that important to their defense. Yeah, he is. And they he he's good at rushing the passer and in run support and and the Rams need to run the ball. Like they that's where they've lost these last two games is with you know, they could have lost against Arizona because they couldn't they got three points out of two first and goals from the two. And the same thing happened against the Seahawks where they couldn't run it in. Um but I, I think to get back to Goff, like I think people are out on him, partly because McVeigh's out on him. He's coaching around him a little. Like, like, it, yeah. like I, I really believe at halftime, and this is where I, the halftime reporters, I think it was Aaron Andrews, can really give you some information. Sometimes McVeigh told Andrews coming out of halftime, Rams Seahawks the first time that Goff needs to see the field better. That was what was in his mind running off the field after watching that first half. A first half where actually they moved the ball pretty well, but there were guys open. And, you know, Walford was throwing it into those tight windows, and he was saying Goff needs to see the field. It's not about his arm. Even in that, even at his worst, Goff, like, threw some beauty in that game. Like, he always has a couple, but, man, he's, like, he's not processing, he's not thinking, he's not knowing, and he's not doing anything outside the pocket. It's like the Seahawks were, like, begging him to just, hey, here, just go run over there, please, and he would take it, and it, it's frustrating. It's two quarterbacks that are a little scrambled. It's it's crazy that Russell, I mean, I wouldn't put Russell Wilson in that category because he still can pull off the comeback, but they're both a little scrambled right now. It's it's funny going into the this offseason where you have these teams that were good. They were legitimately good football teams in 2020. And because they're playing this division game against the team that knows them uh, yep. and plays them a billion times, there's going to be this story going into the offseason where there's like going to be real problems on whatever <laughs> offense doesn't doesn't win this game. When that might not be true, but it's just uh, just kind of especially how it works for out. Los Angeles, though. I mean, like that they're not that far off from the from the scenario the Eagles find themselves in. If Sean McVay is out on Jared Goff, we, you know that's for another day. But that's not the way you want to hit the offseason. And Jalen Ramsey is special. He's on that short list of the true great shutdown corners. I really do think because DK Metcalf is brilliant as he's been um, this season, uh, quieted down some. And against Ramsey, uh, I think Jalen had a success against him the first time around um, in the season, uh, in the first two games. So I'm thinking that that will be a situation you could trust Ramsey. Tyler Lockett, he's a big figure in this game as well. Let's pick it. Yeah, I'm taking I'm taking the Rams. Seahawks fans are going to hate us. We get it, you know. Jaron Reed and Jordan Brooks and some of your, you know, DJ Reed like like they they're, you know, their defense is better. You have a defense too, but it doesn't matter. You're going to lose. Yeah, I've got some concern about uh Reed's availability uh for the game. Uh, I know he was on the report uh, earlier yep. this week, but um I I'm I, I'm not taking um you know, again, 
nine-fingered Jared Goff or John Wolford over Russell Wilson who's going to the Hall of Fame. Uh, yeah, so Hawks. I'm taking the Hawks as well. I You wonder, and it's not it's not going to be tested this week, but if they did advance, it will be. If this defensive rise, when you look at some of the quarterbacks they faced in the last seven or eight weeks, um, what would happen if this defense got tested against a truly um, a true elite offense? Yep. Uh, but that's not a problem here because obviously the issues that they have with Goff and the injuries and all that. So I like the Seahawks in a low-scoring game, and I like the opponent of whoever wins this game next week. All right. All right. And one and one quick thing, I am yes. going to do a total about face here and lock up Seattle. <laughs> Um, here is what I see happening. All right. The Rams are going to be up by like 10 to 14 points in the third quarter. Take us and through you're, it. Then you're going to get what every Seattle – and it's what happened last week against the Niners. They looked, they looked horrible. And then they scored on three straight drives. They're going to they're gonna pull this thing out like they always do in the final minutes. No way am I picking the Rams and losing that lock. Um, <laughs> never made Seattle. sense for you. It never huh? made sense getting behind it, the Rams I don't know what I was spot. doing. I mean, it's flipping okay. it doesn't really make that much sense either, considering it doesn't two at all, minutes but ago I feel a you like the Rams. <laughs> Marcus, why we love you. All right, uh, let's move on to the final game of Saturday. The number five seed Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the number four seed Washington football team, 8.15 p.m. NBC. Uh, all right. By the way, fill me in. It's Al, Chris, and Michelle late Sunday for Brown Steelers. Is it also Al, Chris, and Michelle here, or is this a Tariko? This feels like Tariko, right? It's Tariko and, and Dungy. Tariko and Dungy. Tariko yeah, I don't think they would fly them to two, to two locations. Yeah, that would be... That makes sense. Yeah. All right. So let's dig into this game. Um, the Bucks have had a topsy-turvy season, up and down, up and down, but they were up, up, up as the season came to a close and enter at a very uh, place of high confidence, you would think. And they now get Washington. Of course, this is going to be in Landover uh, because despite Tampa Bay being an 11-win team, Washington won their division at 7-9, and nine, so they get the home team. Maybe that's something to litigate down the road, but in the here and now, that's the <laughs> way it's set up. Claybon, this is this is almost now a basic take uh, um, as we head to the actual game, but I really do see this as a trouble spot for Tampa and the matchup not being great. And the fact that I've seen it this year already, Patrick, that the Bucks can go from highs up here to, uh-oh, there's, there's, it, they're like a Ferrari, their offense. When things are going well, it's wonderful. And that thing is zooming at 99 miles an hour, and it's making sharp turns. But then if you put some unleaded fuel in it, or there's something going on in the hmm, carburetor. I don't know. I work with cars a lot. That's, the, that's what I chose. All of a sudden, things break down very quickly, and I could see this front seven with Sweat and Young doing that type of damage. You're going back to that Bears game, right, uh, Dan? Yep. Where Khalil Mack... Uh, successfully made Tom Brady the maddest person on earth, and it, and it had it seemed to have an effect. Like Tom wasn't playing well, uh, not because he was rattled, or legitimately he was so angry he couldn't throw. He was going to kill somebody. He wasn't thinking about football anymore. He was thinking of murder. Um, the 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 problem is, um, you know, it's as as much as we can malign Nick Foles, um, he he takes shots. Uh, Nick Foles can can make plays that. At this point, an injured, and what a great story Alex Smith is. But if you are Todd Bowles and you have this blitz-heavy defense that can do a lot, um, how, how much are you really going to invest in sending guys at, at this Washington offense? Mm. Uh, this this just kind of seems like, all right, we'll, we'll give you guys these uh, three yards and uh, see if Ron wants to make a decision on fourth and one uh, and get Tom and them to run out there and score 24 points. I, I, it's 
maybe like a, a boring, super chalky uh, view of the game, but I, I, I don't see any other thing happening. I mean, we we are cu- are doing this on Thursday, which is the last full practice, you know, for Washington. And Taylor Heineke was taking most of the first team reps. Now that you know Smith is questionable, he took a lot of reps too. It's a little unclear. They might go back and forth. I think it's an open question which would be a better option because of what. Claybon said, we don't know much about Heineke. It's you Alex know. Smith. It's not Taylor Heineke. Against I know Heineke right? made a couple throws when he came he, in the game. Here, here's what Heineke playoffs, did. And granted, gotcha. they were down by two touchdowns, but he ripped it. And, you know, he went for those deep shots that, that he had a chance to take against Carolina. And I think you hit it on the head, Claybon. You have to do that against Tampa. That is their big weakness right now. And they don't have Devin White for this game, the Bucks, because of COVID. And and he's one of their best defensive players. I know it's not like a pass coverage thing, um, but their big weakness I think is going to come against you know big time passing attacks. So what a perfect matchup! You're playing the worst, like literally the worst offense in the league according to DVOA. And people say, well, that includes Dwayne Haskins and stuff. It, it was actually worse with Alex Smith by the numbers um, than at any point in the season. Slightly, basically, there was all the same. So it's a defensive team, and and maybe they can keep it close but man if I'm a Bucks fan I love this matchup and I love the fact that it, it might be Heineke or Smith and that's why I'm locking up the old Bucks on uh, Interesting. Saturday night. okay mm. okay wait I, this is lockable or yeah I've, I've got a mirror over wait I got there's no mirror. These two guys on our Sky uh, Sports thing, uh, what's it called, the Super Bowl Challenge, they both they both picked Washington to win the game. They both picked them to win, which I was surprised well, I about. Didn't, I didn't say anything. It's not totally crazy. Uh, no, I, you can lock that if you want. I mean, I think, I think um, two things are going to happen in this game. Logan Thomas is going to do something that becomes like one of the biggest plays of the entire weekend. I think that they have been – Logan Thomas is one of the more interesting players around in my book. And I think the second thing – and it sticks in my head what Chris Wessling said about Chase Young about a month ago, calling him uh, Lawrence Taylor-esque because I think he is. And I, one of my favorite subplots um, is him basically – not doing one of this, I don't want to put anything on a bulletin board. No one even uses bulletin boards at this point anymore, please. <laughs> he basically said, I want Tom Brady. I'm going to go after this guy. Tom Brady has been in 18 playoff games and never sunk so low as to be in a wild card game. Please. Chase Young is going to score a touchdown in this game. I don't think any of that's Whoa. going to be enough because this is one of the worst offenses that have been in the playoffs um, since we've been doing this podcast. But I think this is going to be close. At halftime, I really do. I don't think it's going to be see um, a, a stinker that some are suggesting. I think Chase Young has one of the, has the traits where like you have to keep your eyes on him the whole game, and he's going to just cause disruption. But it won't be enough. Hmm. What do you think, Patrick? Um, I I like Chase Young. I, I like Josh Schlitt. I I do think that they provide some sort of issue Ma- for, for Tom Brady. Right. Oh yeah, yeah, excuse me. I but they're my, going my up against a great up. offensive line. I mean, the Bucks' offensive line is awesome. They are. Um, I, I, there's just the circumstance that the offense is going to put them in in this game. I, I don't, I don't think it bodes well uh, for the defense in terms of looking at the the end, the end result, the box score at the end of the game. Uh, it's going to be like, wow, the the football team defense didn't show up like it did all year. Well, they, they were just put in a horrible situation. I feel like from their offense. You if need- you're if you're a Washington fan, you should look at the history of Ron Rivera beating Bruce Arians' teams and feel good. And it it sort of makes sense because if Ron Rivera's defense do one thing well, it's take away deep passes. And they've done that this year. So the last four weeks we've seen Brady, and this happens so many times, have multiple guys wide open on a given play. 
Like that, it's just not like multiple guys, deep, short, wherever he wants to throw it. You can throw. It's not going to happen against Washington. They'll make him earn it a little bit. That that's the argument for them. So did they say that Alex Smith suffered a setback in Week 17? No, I don't. Okay, think so. so why why should I think that he's now not going to play? I just thought he was not healthy. He was so because he he's, he's not banged up and ineffective. Because he's, he's banged up in in Heineke, in theory, maybe gives him a better man, chance. That I would feel be like it. I'm going. I feel like I'm going crazy with everybody like getting behind these backups with no experience or like, <laughs> like bona fides. Like we're now going to say that Tyler Heineke is going to win a playoff no, game against No, Tom I'm Brady? not. I'm locking up the Bucks. No, okay, but I'm saying like the the idea that oh maybe they should play Tyler Heineke because Alex Smith isn't quite right. No, I think. This has been building to something with the with Washington and Alex Smith. I would love this is more, you know, storybook um driven, but I would love to see Alex Smith now in a playoff game. He's going to stay on the field and I understand where they're managing him because one false step with that calf in practice and he's done. Um I think he's playing and what he's shown, he's never going to pilot an explosive offense. He really never has even at his peak. Um but what he has been able to do this year is surprise you every once in a while. You know, they're very quiet, and then they put together a couple scoring drives, and as Mark said, maybe Chase Young does something very special to shorten the field, um, or Montez Sweat gets his hands up and deflects a pass and causes an interception. And all of a sudden, you're like, wait a second, the Bucks are a better team here, but it's uh, 17-14 in the fourth quarter. I think that happens, and I, I pick, I'm picking Washington. I'm staying with that pick because, A, it's fun. B, there's always one. There's always one uh, upset in Wild Card Weekend. Last year, it was Minnesota going to the Superdome and beating the Saints, who on this very show a year ago I said was the greatest three seed in NFL history. Apparently not at thirteen and three. I think this is the pick, Greg. I have no problem with your lock. Uh, it's a it's a solid lock. You're probably going to be right, but don't be surprised if this is a field goal game. It it does make me, for whatever reason, more nervous than like let, let's say Bills Colts or whatever. But it felt it. I do believe in this Bucks team. Ultimately, I I do think they're one of the seven teams or so that can win the Super Bowl. I I really I know it was against some bad opponents, but it, they are a relatively new team. I think Antonio Brown stepping up in the last few weeks um, is not to be underestimated. They're an offensive Good point. team. I'm all about offenses, and to me, their offense can can roll with anyone. Antonio Brown feels ready to explode at some point. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that on up. the field. Mike Evans. Uh, yeah, I hope it's just on the field. Mike Evans with that knee injury, he's up in the air, and if he's out there, who knows if he's going to be more decoy than anything else. Uh, but Antonio Brown looked like 2017 Antonio Brown in Week 17, like the way he was moving, and he now can fill. If Evans can't be Evans, I, you trust Brown and Brady uh, in terms of the deep threat uh, that he could uh, bring to them. But he was running routes all over the field. That was scary to see him uh, look that way. Um, all right. Good stuff. Before we get to the Sunday slate, let's let's take a. This is halftime. Let's Ooh. check in on go get my lunch. The regular season. How about that? That's wow. Fun. As we uh, back in August, we said uh, let's keep everything to the regular season. Let's not have it drawn out. Uh, so let's go through this. Uh, Chris Wessling, the great Chris Wessling, right now stands seven and nine. Terry McLaurin or DJ Shark will finish top five in wide receiver fantasy points. Did not happen. Um, and if you're curious, if you're curious, the top five receivers were Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, Stefan Diggs, Calvin Ridley, DK Metcalf. Okay. Was on the wrong team, McLaurin. 
Yep. And uh, all of us, Dan, Greg, and Mark, all took up sandwiches there. Uh, next, ne- neither Drew Brees nor Tom Brady finished the season as the starter. Dan, Greg, and Mark all made sandwiches there. <laughs> Drew Brees uh, got injured, but he got back and played the final three games of the regular season. Tom Brady threw 40 touch- 43 years old, threw 40 touchdowns. Got to give it up. Josh Allen finishes higher than Cam Newton and oh, Tom no. Brady in the final MVP index. Bingo. <laughs> well, technically, you know, he did make sure that I was going to have to write that, which I've been doing <laughs> the last few years. It's been sponsored. I don't think we got that sponsorship this year, so I never wrote it. So, tec- right, But hypothetically. Hypothetically, uh, he would have been in my top five for sure, and so uh, he wins that one. We'll give this- it. We'll, we, won't, we won't get Wes on a technicality. And guess what? Good job by Wes, who saw something none of us did, because Dan, Greg, and Mark all took him on that. Mm-hmm. That just shows you how much change with Josh Allen. Well, there, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I mean, we're also, like, if, I, if you don't take everyone up on every sandwich, you're... You're like you no, you're, you're wagging. You're, no, you're that was more active. You thought, oh, you you thought Brady would be better than Allen if you took that. Mark, bet. Come on, you now. thought you thought Brady would be better than Allen. If I you wasn't know. in Greg's camp of like jo- Josh Allen is like shouldn't even be in. Nor was football. I. But so. we got to take the L because we went the other way. I'll take it, but I don't. There's degrees of of L. I, yeah, Let's, I was I was a horribly wrong. <laughs> That's why I made my I lost sandwiches on uh, dismissing Josh Allen. There's a little spoiler. All right, let's move to Mark Sessler. Also seven and nine right now. Well, please, what will this be? Matthew Stafford is not on the Lions week one roster. <laughs> what was I? Th- oh, when was this done? Like, I was I doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Dan, Greg and West all made sandwiches. Um, no games will be canceled slash postponed due to COVID. And this was a this was a touchy one because we were all dealing with the throes of a global pandemic. None of us felt comfortable with it. So we all just said, no, on general principle, we're out. West did take you up on it. Uh, so you lost. To, but just one sandwich. Yeah, we didn't want to root for COVID. You would put us in a bad spot. A well, no, that spot. was, I remember that exact moment, and there was a lot of, you know, Mount Pius activity going on. And so well, it's like when you was, pick guys to get hurt, and we're supposed to, like, then, it was, you know, it's uh, no, I simply won't be involved in a, in a wager about COVID. I can't right. handle that. Please. The, the Patrick's, atmo- <laughs> Patrick's the a man of ethics. You understand, right, Patrick? Well, the atmosphere at the time, there was this, like, weird takesman thing where it's like, if you showed any. Uh, sort of concern about the virus, people would be like, "Oh, you're rooting for the virus," and it's like, "Oh God, like <laughs> go away, go, like go get yeah. in a hole." All right, up next, Bill Belichick will be asked about interactions with UFOs or life beyond Earth. Uh, take the listener behind your thought logic there, Mark. Uh, Dan, Greg, and Wes all made sandwiches. Uh, well, well, that thought that was through the Super Bowl. Um, although he doesn't, that probably is over because he's not doing a he's lot of press with conferences. The, he's done with the media. So. Sure. Um, well, no. I mean, if you if you track um, actual news about UFOs, there's been a ton of activity in rep from reputable news sources saying it's it feels like the government is creeping towards trying to tell us something. They have been for years, and there's been a hike and uptick in that um, over the last three four months. So that's sort of where I was coming from. But um, I was you know told very sternly, and I would have followed this rule not to suggest to like Mike Giardi or someone else that they ask the question. As a plant, and no one on their own volition decided to go there well, with Belichick. I was so going to say, reporters are afraid to ask Bill Belichick if Cam Newton's starting week 17. Like, the idea that someone would have <laughs> the, the the nards to do that. I mean, I would have respected it, but it never felt 
It's, it's somehow not even the dumbest um, wager that I came up with no, based you're on that Matthew lose. Stafford thing, please. No, well, you've got another one coming that you're going to lose three on. Daniel Jeremiah becomes an NFL general manager prior to Super Bowl 55 and, quote, largely ghosts the ATN podcast <laughs> crew. That one's still up in the air, but and there awesome. are seven. there are seven, almost a quarter of the league looking for GMs. But there are no indications that DJ is in the mix on that. So that looks like you're going to fall to 7 and 12. I could get the ghosting us part of it right, though. All right. Well, you, you need to hit on both, right? Right. Well, yes. that would be nice yeah. to be ghosted. <laughs> Greg, 8-8. Uh, eight and eight. The Rams and Chargers make the playoffs. That one Anthony out of two. Lynn got you. Yeah, Lynn got you. Those two. three missing wins in the mix in Los Angeles every year uh, cost you there. Three sandwiches. Uh, the 49ers don't make the playoffs. You nailed that one. But Mark, Mark, good for you. You didn't take them up on it. You believed as well that they weren't making the playoffs. Dan and Wes both took uh, took the hook on that one. You were very down in the Niners. But, you know, in retrospect, Greg, the only reason they didn't make the playoffs was all felt like all these the avalanche of injuries that happened after your prediction, you were picking for different reasons. Pretty much. Although the injuries kind of started uh, even by the time I made it. Um, so that that played into it, but you're right. Uh, the injuries pretty much did it for me. Otherwise, they would have made it. All right. And this one, you got popped on. Teddy Bridgewater has more yards than Josh Allen. Just doubling down on the Allen 8. Uh, Allen, I looked this up, finished with 4,500 yards, 4,544. Teddy, who was not very good this year, 3,733 yards. Yeah, that, that's not a bad... If you had told me Teddy was going to get 3,700, I think he missed the game and a half, too. It's like, well, I, I think that might top Allen. Not so much. Not so much. I, Allen, you know, Teddy wasn't so bad. He, was he had 15 he, touchdowns. He was about what turnovers. you would expect for for where he's been in his salary. He was like the 23rd, oh, 23rd best starter. Sessler, hear him reining this back, moving the goalposts. You you were ready. I mean, if you want to... He played very well the first half of the season. So if that, you want to judge us moving. on our salaries, I'm doing way too... I'm, I'm being far too productive. <laughs> I should be doing, you know, much less. All right, here's uh, the old Zeuser right now, 10-7, and seven, looking good. Gronk plays in 2020. Three sandwiches there. Le'Veon, and this one I might have an issue with. That Le'Veon, was, yeah, an off-season one, yeah. Le'Veon Bell isn't on the Jets in 2020. When 2020 ended, Le'Veon Bell not on the Jets. How come that's in red, according to Go Get My Lunch, Nick Fortier? I think it was well, a week. Al- it was maybe he a was week. On week. Be- because he was on the Jets in 2020? Yeah. It was, at the time, it was, he <laughs> wasn't going to make it. He wasn't ever going to make it to the Jets. Uh, uh, Greg, and we- Greg and Mark made sandwiches. That one's disputed, but I'll let it go. Uh, Jets no, enter not. week 17 with a mathematical path to the playoffs. Okay. <laughs> Three sandwiches there. Obviously terrible. The Jets are 0-13 at one point. But I must say, I was very upfront that I was only picking something I wanted to happen. I never believed in my Jets this year, but I'll take the loss there. Aaron, Rod- Aaron Rodgers earns All-Pro honors in 2020. Not only is he going to get All-Pro honors, uh, he's going to get the MVP. And I got sandwiches off all you guys. Nobody that was got a great on one. That, that was a good you know, one. That was the best one of the year, year. I, I would say. Yeah, I, I probably will never have a better one than that. Uh, this one was one of my favorite wagers ever. It didn't work out, but it almost did, Claybon. It was almost set up to work. Kai Forbath hits a game-winning field goal within the final minute of regulation or overtime. He wasn't on a team at a time, but I figured he'd get in on a kicker carousel on a team, and then I just needed a little luck. He ends up signing with the Rams midway through the season, doesn't perform too well in the first couple of games, and then suffers an injury to IR. So it, it was there, and then it was kind of pulled away from me. 
Yeah, the, the thing about picking a kicker to have a kick in that circumstance is when whenever like they sign somebody off the street, invariably that person will always end up in a game winning kick situation. <laughs> always. And, and, and you just missed Didn't it. happen with Guy. Uh, and finally for me, Mike McCarthy is one and done in Dallas. Damn. That was tracking pretty I, I How am I the only one that you took you close. up on that? Like, Wes and Mark were like, nope, he's probably going to be what, the one and done. Oh. Well, I know, uh, yes, uh, Mark has never been a fan of McCarthy or that hire, so that makes sense. Wes, that surprises me a little bit. Uh, but uh, that was tracking pretty decent entering December, but uh, McCarthy appears to be safe. Okay, finally, Ricky Hollywood. Good for Ricky. The producer <laughs> historically has been terrible at this game. Like, insanely bad. Uh, but Ricky uh, went with Adrian Peterson will have over 500 rushing yards. Nice. Dan, Greg, Mark, and Wes all took her up on Bring it. it. And I believe he had about 600. It slowed down uh, by the end of the season. But uh, he was not not the bell cow guy. 604 he finished with, a three-point yards per tote and seven TDs. Uh, you had some injury help there with DeAndre Swift. Uh, but... Credit to you, Ricky. And you know what? It wasn't just a shot in the dark because all day, Purple Jesus always seems to find some type of role in any offense he's in. And you were right to follow that path. Thanks. Yeah. I'll, I'll take a Postmates gift card or whatever you guys want to do. <laughs> Don't like, hold I'm, your breath. I'm good. <laughs> all right. There you go. And by the way, he won MVP, of course, Adrian Peterson, uh, in 2012 when he ran for 2,000 yards. Is Derrick Henry going to get an MVP vote mm. in 2020? No. I don't think he, so either. He won't because of the way this whole thing is set up, but he should. I, I would like them to change the voting thing. Ricky also had a Julian Edelman will catch uh, eight touchdowns, which which did not come through for her. How many what? did he get? No, was that this year? I don't think that was this year. That, was it? That no, was, I, I one year that said was. that when he tore his ACL that he'd that still was this come year. back. That was this uh, year. Cam Newton only threw eight touchdowns the whole no. season, so that was not going to happen for you. All right. But, Ricky, you know what? It stands. Good job by you. You're over 500. And uh... Hey, fuck you, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> the unedited version. I love it. All right. Back to the playoffs. Okay. That was nice. That was nice. Got to get Claybon involved in the sandwich we will. wagers next, next time. Next year. Let's get the next time we do wagers we do for Super Bowl. Patrick, please join us. Um, and uh, have a Would Super Bowl prop ready to go. Okay. I'll, I'll, have, go. I'll have several. All right, here we go. Here we go. Moving on. Sunday, the number five seed. This is it. This is my favorite wild card game in years. Number five seed, Baltimore Ravens at the number four seed, Tennessee Titans, 1 p.m. on AS, uh, ABC slash ESPN. Woo, doggy. Patrick, uh, Lamar Jackson, obviously. Five straight wins. They go from out of the playoff picture to the number five seed. Uh, and now they get a Titans team that, yes, Derrick Henry, 2,000-yard rusher. Ryan Tannehill, 40 touchdowns this year. Corey Davis uh, and A.J. Brown, both of them either at or right at 1,000 yards receiving. An awesome offense. Uh, but do you think the defense is going to get enough stops on Lamar Jackson uh, to go to the next round? I, game. I I don't. I mean, I'm obviously a Lamar stan and a, and a Ravens fan at this point. I, I think anybody that that you know has heard me talk about anything knows that. Uh, but going back to that game last year, which obviously has no bearing on anything, there were two fourth downs where the Titans defense got a stop, and then followed up by two huge bombs from Ryan Tannehill. 
Um, does the way that this Titans team and this defense has played down the stretch, do we see them making that type of defensive stand mm. at, at, at any point? It, it's, it's tough to it's tough to imagine them doing that. And you mentioned uh, Lamar coming back, so you know he has COVID. He, he comes back. They scored thirty four, forty seven, forty, twenty seven, thirty eight points uh, consecutively. The twenty seven point game was against the Giants, where they kind of shut it down. Uh, could have could have scored more uh, if they needed to. Um, it's they were a great offense last year. They're doing it differently uh, this time around. They had to make some adjustments. Uh, not as much straight up power. Uh, they're getting they're getting uh, Orlando Brown on the move, uh, running just QB counters. And uh, Hollywood, as much as I've been frustrated with Hollywood, uh, he started to make some plays. Come uh, on, Hollywood! Is he still Rosita is he Reseda now, or is he? Back yeah, to he, Hollywood? He, well, there was a, there was a, a part where like he was Cerritos Brown, uh, but he has moved his way, you know, closer. Uh, to the west side at this point. Now he's Hawthorne uh, Brown. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he might be where I live, and you know, he kind of fits down here. But it's um, there's, I I don't believe it's just blind hope for me. The the way I feel about this game, I, I do uh, see the Ravens uh, getting some stops where it's not just you know late in the game like it was last time or in the overtime loss to the Titans where it's just um, they go man up and Derrick Henry beats you. Uh, and they, there's no Roger Saffold, and I just, you know, as much as I love Henry, I, I, I just, I, I don't see them running all over this defense again. Like I, I get that, and I pick the Ravens to win. This is what I call a thread the needle game because they're like, I think they're three and a half point favorites, and I have them only winning by two. So it's like somewhere in between. Ravens win, but you know, maybe not as much as you think. But the wor- the worst take I keep seeing all week is like, well, this is a great matchup for the Ravens. It's like what? This is the worst matchup for the Ravens. Like we we have proof that they do not match up well with the Titans for very specific reasons that do carry over from the last two times they played. Number one, Tannehill can handle a blitz. He threw an interception against them last in in week eleven against the Blitz. But man, if there's a guy who's not that worried about you about to crush him as he goes one on one deep down the field against your your great cornerbacks, but he's gonna take a shot like. That's Ryan Tannehill. Uh, n- number two, they're, the reason they're so bad is because they're the wor- one of the worst pass rushes and pass defenses in the league. And the way Lamar's playing, I think they can take advantage of that. But the Ravens are not a passing team. They're, they're 32nd in the league in yards because they're a run-first team. And so do the, do the Ravens take full advantage of what should knock the Titans out of the playoffs with their passing game. I I ultimately think they can and they will, but it's not like the Ravens are like this pass first team. The Titans are literally the only team to come back from double digits down against the Ravens in the last two years. So in terms of like matchups, it gets me a little worried when I see the graphic that, that, that the NFL network sending out and every single person except for Colleen Wolf is picking the Ravens. It's like we've dismissed this Titans team quite a bit. They are a top three or four offense. But Greg, like, you're one I'm of not, the people that picked the Ravens. I know. Ravens. I don't, I, but it's partly because that's what I want to see happen, much like Claybon. In, in something close to a coin flip game, I'm taking the team I want to see win, and that's the Ravens. But this game worries me very much. I think it's. I mean, I I think it's going to be close. And um, for me, it I would think differently about um, Tennessee's ceiling in this game if it weren't this version of the Ravens. And I and I get that you know this isn't a pass first Baltimore team, but um, they remind me of like a dude walking down like 
you know, a, 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 some sort of part of town with like a sock filled with pennies just knocking people out left and right. They're tough. I mean, um, this is not the same. choice of weapon. By it's like Homie the well, Clown. You know, yeah, have you ever dealt clown? with that? Have you ever dealt with that? Like, I, no, there was a I time haven't. when have I was you? in a, a room where I didn't get pelted with it, but there was this rather drunken fellow swinging a sock filled with like pennies and dimes, and you don't want to be. On the other end of that. And the Ravens, we got the Capitol week, building yesterday by any chance? No, I was not, thankfully. Okay. Although I'm sure some of that activity You're like, was, Dad, was stop it, Dad. What are you <laughs> no, doing? It was, no, nor it was not a family member either, um, thankfully. But I, they, ahead, they've been destroying people in the first half of games, week after week. So, yeah, this is not like an, a team that scares you through the air, but you're going to have to slow their run offense, which has been, you know, their first drive last week. They gave the ball to four different guys. I mean, they're, it's not, it's so opposite of Tennessee because it's not the one, it's not, the, it's Derrick Henry or, or Bust on the ground. It's all these different characters. And I think that they're just, um, super motivated. Lamar Jackson pointed to that Titans game. He's pointed to it over and over. I think this matters to him about his legacy to win this thing. I think you're going to get a super motivated Ravens team. I mean, think about what would happen if, if Jackson played poorly in this game. I mean, it would just be three years in a row. They were one and done, and it would just it would be something that he would continue to carry. But I also think it's the type of thing that just wanting it more isn't probably going to make him play well either. It's just it's going to have to everything's going to sync up, and he's going to have to play free and easy like he did down the stretch when he just um, looked excellent. Basically, looked like the MVP of last year. And I love the Titans. I mean, I love it's I've, in terms of like where we've come with this organization on this podcast, even during the Mariota years, where they were very difficult to watch. Uh, the acquisition of Ryan Tannehill and the rise of Derrick Henry to one of the great running backs of his generation um, has made them an exciting watch. But also, if you watched every game, it's like, how do you trust the defense to get you out of the, out of this game? I just don't. I mean, uh, I don't want to belabor the point, but you look at it, half their games this season, they gave up 30 points. Half. Eight out of the 16. Then you say, okay, maybe they're starting to, maybe they'll figure it out down the stretch heading to the playoffs. Week 16, their last big spotlight game, they lost 40 to 14 in Green Bay. Even last week against Houston, which we knew was going to be trouble because Deshaun Watson was going to ball out. You knew he would, and he did. 41 38. They could not get a stop down the stretch. Uh, I just see more of the same. And I think it's not a game that I would think about locking up because it could go either way. And I think it's a, a field goal or a touchdown game. I think this has got 40-37 overtime classic written all over it. And I like I'm Ravens. sort of offended that they that, that it is it's not in prime time. And I and whether that would have been replacing Pittsburgh Cleveland but what Washington um Tampa Bay, this isn't a it, this isn't the matchup that everyone's waited to see all year. I don't know what it's doing in the in the early morning slot if you listen, live in mm. Los Angeles, well, you're still yeah. drinking a cup of it's coffee during that. It's going to do a huge rating. It'll be it'll be massive, but you're right, one o'clock Eastern's pretty early for this. How game. about yeah. the Justin Tucker versus Gus Kowski matchup like that honestly that was part, I, I struggled to pick mm. this game and the Ravens have one of the best special teams in the league I think they're second or third you know that includes coverage uh, according to football it said Titans are 29th or 30th and their kicker stinks like a, I'm not sure the Ravens defense is good that's sort of the x factor like we we think they're good because they're wearing the Ravens uniform but the the only like sentient team they've played over the last five weeks is the Browns on offense and who put up 45 against them and they're pretty banged up like they they're not the same Ravens defense that worries me in future rounds but I think they'll have enough here it's, it's, a, it's a Brown sentient it's <laughs> Skion. <laughs> a, a Browns team with Nick Chubb uh they can run the ball um, 
and a Titans team with Derrick Henry, obviously, that can run the ball. I I do think if the Ravens are able to successfully kind of get that image of, you know, Derrick Henry running into the end zone by himself in overtime or turning, uh, you know, Earl Thomas around, like if Mm. if they can get past that uh, and and just kind of move away from this Titans team, like watch out, Um, you know, the sky's the limit. Um, Greg, we didn't touch on it, but I I, I feel – like it would be a mistake not to at least mention that both you and I are very worried about, uh, in terms of special teams, Johnny Hecker being a liability in a playoff mm-hmm. game potentially. Uh, potentially, it's I don't like that this is the world we live in now, but uh, there's something going on with Johnny Hecker up there in uh, L.A. Well, it's weird. You up just there. he's the <laughs> you know Wes, Wes has long said Hecker is the greatest punter he's ever seen, maybe the greatest in NFL history. Bill Belichick has said the same, and he's only thirty, but he's not Hecker right now. He's struggling. It's very weird because I guess you just sort of like offensive linemen. You Shank just think, City. you like think left tackles don't struggle. Well, they're human too. They can struggle, and he is he is slumping hard, Johnny Hecker. I mean, if the pivot point of the Rams is is their punter, they've got they're probably going to have some issues to begin with. <laughs> it's just but weird. It's like what can we believe in if Johnny Hecker's not booming well, punts? I mean, we kind of see it like if if you are a finely tuned billion dollar uh, air superiority fighter. And uh, something's going wrong. Just a little bit. It doesn't right. take. It doesn't take much. Uh, that could be. Doesn't it. take much which, to mess you up. Which makes you respect J- Justin Tucker, Tucker all the more. He is the exception. Just a machine. All right. Middle game. All right. Well, let me real quick. I got so I got the Ravens and a nail biter. Me too. Uh, anybody got the Titans here? No. I really I, want to I, switch Mark? my lock to Baltimore. I, I hate that it's it's all on the Ravens because if if they lose, I'm not going to want to watch football for the rest of the day. And it's <laughs> I didn't realize really that you were that big a fan. I didn't either. Oh, yeah. That surprises me. Yeah. All right. Good. I'm not. Right, I'm well, not very into that, by the way. So. Okay. Here we go. Middle game, and it, it is uh, could be the clunker, but again, you never know. Number seven seed Bears go to the Superdome to face the number two seed Saints. 4:40 p.m. Eastern CBS. Uh, also on Nickelodeon. How about that? I think uh, Nate Burleson is going to be involved with that telecast. Uh, there will be green slime, virtual green slime in the end zone for touchdowns. Okay. You got to get the kids locked in. Um, Claybound will start here. The Bears, nobody giving the Bears a chance. And, and that's that's fair because the Bears fattened up on some really bad defenses to get back into the playoff picture and then went back to sleep when they faced the Packers team. Uh, in week 17. Why should we think that this is going to be anything other than 28 to 10? Mm. Uh, well, I guess we'll go with the theme, right? That we've done this a few times today on the, the way hypothetically it could go wrong for the team okay. that we think is going to win. It's, it's kind of like, a, like I saw a headline today about, uh, potential discussion in league circles that Deshaun Watson could maybe ask for a trade hypothetically. Like, so I'm just going to hedge like that because that's, you know, that that's the way things are done now. Um, we saw how Jalen Hurts beat the Saints. Um, maybe we get new Mitchell gets out there and runs a little bit and uh, put some stress on the defense and, and um, you know, the, the Saints kind of bogged down uh, on offense. I don't, necessarily think that's going to happen. Michael Thomas is, is back with Breeze for the first time, which feels like all season, uh, where it's been uh, Michael Thomas and Breeze, uh, hopefully Alvin. Uh, Did they play one game together yet? I, yes. I think, I think maybe so. Maybe one. Mere quarters. Like, it's... Uh, week one, and then mm-hmm. maybe some in December? Maybe a game? I don't know. 
Yeah, but it's it, it's been very small. And so, um, you know, hopefully Camara uh, was, you know, asymptomatic and, and comes back healthy. But but if not, uh, the you know, and the swing passes aren't there and new Mitchell has the game of his life. Uh, Khalil Mack causes some problems. Maybe uh, they squeak mm. by with a uh, overtime win on a fumble recovery touchdown. Like I, I that type uh, of deal. Uh, other wow. than that, this is a stretch. Uh, this is this is my. I, I, I'm less concerned about the outcome being weird in this one than than Washington and Tampa Bay. Like honestly, yeah. Adam Schefter reported uh, today that Alvin Kamara is participating in live practices remotely. Uh, this week, the source said that Kamara has a live video decoder at his home to watch practice and can hear coach Sean Payton, who has a microphone to guide Kamara through plays. Uh, this is allowing him to watch the Saints as they implement the game plan for Sunday's game against the Bears and mentally go through the assignments. Oh, my God. So their video feed is here? encrypted? Like, that's I awesome. I don't know. How did we get here? <laughs> Top secret. How did we get here? How do we get home? Go ahead, guys. All right, Saints by forty. Now that I heard that news, <laughs> I uh, the style, the style the Saints styles play, make fights. The, the style they play sometimes invites close games because they're kind of a slow moving offense with not a ton of possessions. This, you know, they they did go to overtime against this same Bears team um, in Week Eight, I believe. Uh, a game that the Saints were missing most of their receivers. I know, but the the one. I think reason to be concerned if you were a Saints, and I'm not this week. I think their offensive line will dominate. I think Mitchell Trubisky's not been good. I don't think people are watching these games that are saying he's good. <laughs> he's 27th out of 28 since returning. It's um, a new Mitchell, Greg. He's different now. It's just people are dropping interceptions. I swear. Mm. Like, people are Last watching. Week, yeah. People are just watching him on the red zone, and like, yeah, they've been scoring touchdowns, and they have called plays well with your boy Bill Lazor. And so that that's great, and they and they have some good players around him now. Like Robinson, Komet's playing a little better. Darnell Mooney is banged up. The only thing that could ever go wrong, I feel like, is the the Bears play a solid defensive game. Breeze throws an early pass that gets picked off, and he gets a little tight. Because I'm telling you, Breeze is. I don't think Breeze is playing that well. I thought last week the Panthers had a number of chances, and it didn't look great. It was against. It was some with some backup receivers, but I don't know. You know, Breeze hasn't played well in the playoffs lately. And they know this could be it for this entire run. And it's like, what if you get an unlucky break or two early and you fall down? How is Drew Brees going to play against like a competent defense? How is he going to play? I my one note, my biggest concern for the Saints, and it's sort of ethereal, but it agree. I I agree with you, Greg, that them coming out and playing tight um, because they've been really like resilient um, coming off of terrible playoff losses three years in a row. But there's a lot on the. There's just a lot happening here with Drew Brees. Likely in his last year, I'd I'd be shocked if he came back at this point. And you're you're heading into cap hell. A lot of their key players are becoming free agents. I mean, this team is on the cusp of looking very different. And how do you deal with that mentally? I mean, do they get tight? I trust that they. I trust they'll be fine because I think Sean Payton. He can. You know, this is not the DNA of that type of a team. That's like your disaster scenario. But the Bears thing. Look, at, I think they've been a much better overall offense, but you look at what happened. They lost to the Lions. 
They've beaten the Texans, the Vikings, and the Jaguars. I mean, dead defenses. And look, they played really well, and their offensive line has been better. But that's all sandwiched between two losses to Green Bay where they gave up 76 points. I just, I right. think this is what it is. They're an eight and eight team. Credit yeah. for them. Credit to them for you know getting through some of their own issues to have a much more exciting offense. But but Greg, I'm with you that it's not that Mitch Trubisky is suddenly this guy that you think about in future terms. They've gotten here, you know. In I give them credit, but they are what they are. It would be it would be very disappointing for the Saints to to stumble here. It would be shocking. Oh, it would be more disappointing, more than disappointing. It'd be absolutely crushing. And they've had their fair of postseason struggles in recent years, and a lot of that has been misfortune. There, of course, was the Minneapolis miracle with Stefan Diggs, and then everyone knows what happened um, uh, with the P.I. call or the non-call. They got the Rams to the Super Bowl against the Patriots. Even last year uh, against the Vikings, I believe there was a, a non-call uh, yeah. that that had New Orleans fans uh, up in arms. So, you know, I see those as less uh, collapses and and more just like man, they're due for to get on a, a nice run here in the playoffs and have some things go their favor. I can't lock the game up in good conscience because the desert has it at double digits, uh, but I, I'm not. There's no team I'm more confident in than the Saints to move yeah. out of this round. I, I would have locked it too, but I knew you guys would would push back for for everything <laughs> I just said about Breeze. I do not think that's a factor this week with Sean Payton calling plays. And uh, our guy Baldy has been talking up Teron Armstead, their left tackle, as the best offensive lineman in football right now. And who am I to argue uh, with Baldy so that he's going to be shutting down potentially Khalil Mack, their best player, or Robert Quinn, you know, when they flip sides. But Ramchek's great on the other side. I mean, it's a great line. It's a great defensive great line. Team. The great team. The team is one in the trenches. It's so weird to me that Breeze is one of the biggest concerns of this team, but not playing the Bears. I mean, this is a great team, like a full team. They should blow them out. All right. We all have the Saints, obviously, which takes us to the final game of Wild Card Weekend. And one Mark Sessler has literally been waiting two decades for the Cleveland Browns getting the shot to knock off the hated Pittsburgh Steelers. This game will be played in Heinz Field. These teams just saw each other in Week 17. But, of course, Mark, it was not uh, the same game because Ben Roethlisberger and several other key Steelers were not playing. The Browns got the W to get in just barely. And then, of course, the developments of this week around Cleveland, not great. Josh McDaniels um, will not be on the side. Not, excuse me, not Josh McDaniels. Um Kevin Stefanski will not be on the sideline. COVID, Joel Batonio, the standout guard, uh, he will not be playing. COVID, um, Mike Prefer? Mike Prefer. Prefer, the special teams coach of ill renown. He will be the <laughs> acting head coach in this game. Mark, it, it's, it's an us against the world feeling for the Browns right now. Uh, and as a fan, because I've seen, been tracking your Twitter, and it seems like you're drawing some power from all this doubt around your favorite team. Well, it's it's kind of the the opposite of a week ago when I think Cleveland was in a you know sort sort of a no win situation because if you beat the Steelers, it's you beat the Steelers B team, um, and if they lost, it's an utter embarrassing way to to finish the year losing to the Jets and, and Steelers. So they had to just take care of business. Um, you never would have expected. I mean, I guess this year you could expect something like this, but. You, you don't think that if you wait 18 years for the Browns to get into the playoffs that one of the reasons they've gotten this far 
is Kevin Stefanski that he's going to be home. And, you know, by NFL, a lot of people are asking, can he be involved um, during the game at all? No, he cannot. Like the minute they leave the locker room, you know, he has zero ability to interact with the team. Until How about the some game. flexibility, NFL, given the circumstances? I don't know. I get that. But I but I think the NFL has sort of said um, flexibility is not on those fronts. It's not we're not it's not a competitive issue that why he's not in there. So I don't know. That is what it is. I think losing Batonio, um, especially when you look at uh, Batonio's importance on perimeter runs for that team, um, that's huge. This is an offensive line that's played, obviously, really, really well, but not against Pittsburgh. And um th- They've been all right, but they gave up four sacks the first time, and they gave up four sacks last week with Pittsburgh's, you know, T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward not in the game. And, and some of those are on Baker Mayfield. I think this game boils down to Baker Mayfield, and we've seen it um, in the first half against Tennessee. We saw it in the first half against Baltimore, playing a perfect version of his game. Uh, that's a lot to ask, and I, I think that you know you guys can weigh in. I'm concerned uh, on the flip side that you don't have Olivier Vernon. The, the Browns just they get to a point where if you take away enough, I'm not sure how you hang with a team that I think will be ultra-focused. Um, this Steelers team's been through a lot. Their offense looked fine to me last week, and Cleveland's defense is a mess. Hmm. Denzel Ward's a big factor. That That, to me, would be a killer because I think the mismatches in terms of the receivers against Cleveland's secondary is pretty significant. I mean, I, w- I watched that game, and I was kind of surprised. No one, w- no one was, you know, told me, like, hey, Mason Rudolph kind of balled out. Like, Mason Rudolph looked pretty good. Like, I, well, I know like Robert Jackson like, did not ball out. I know. Like, I mean, we never want to admit when bad players have good games, but it happens. Like, they're professionals. Maybe he got better. I don't know. He, he made a number of throws where I was like, would Ben have made that throw? I don't I don't know. I don't think so. I, as he much got as, hot. He got hot. That's for a, sure. As much as going against Cleveland, you know, ultimately it's Petonio and Vernon. That's like, look, those are big losses. But you're still kind of best on best here. The Browns have four of their offensive linemen that have been awesome. Like when they run behind Conklin and Teller, they dominate. Those guys are there. You know, it's against this Steelers defense. As As the week has gone on, I've kind of come around to like thinking that the Browns will keep this game close versus like that it's such a big deal that the Steelers rested four guys last week. The, the Steelers haven't shown enough to believe that they're going to run away and hide against um, a good offense, and that's what the Browns are. Like, I, I totally expect this to come come down to the end. I just want to see, you know, Austin Hooper, make a play, Austin Hooper. Make a play, David Njoku. <laughs> like, let's get these tight ends against these Steelers linebackers and make a play, uh, Austin Hooper. I'm sick of it. And I think any anything that we're concerned about going on Baker's shoulders is really just going to end up being put on Chubb's shoulders. Uh, yeah. He gets he gets another look at, at the same front that really hasn't been the same since Bud Dupree uh, has has been out, and so they can I I think they can shorten this game. Not not that we are super concerned with Ben and the Steelers running off and scoring thirty five forty points uh, the way that they've looked down the stretch, but I think there's a realistic hope that the Browns could field a competent offense, uh, even without Batonio and, and with Kevin Stefanski stuck like all of us, kind of helplessly watching. While they shorten every game. They really with, do, and it helps out their defense. They are the team that shorten games more more than anyone with these long drives. I'm, I'm with you that the the that Chubb is the, the heart of this, the engine of that offense, but there is a game script concern that if the defense of Cleveland struggles early on, Pittsburgh gets out to a quick lead that you can start to mess with that. And then you do put it on Baker and it becomes a big test for Baker Mayfield. I think that's one of the things as a fan 
um, that I'm looking forward to see. Baker in a big spot, especially if things go sideways. The last time that was the case, it was a great Baker performance in Monday night when they nearly beat Baltimore and they fell behind multiple scores and you couldn't just ground it out with Nick Chubb and you needed Baker to make a bunch of big throws. He did. So there's a lot of hope there for me. Um, I, I like the Steelers here. I'm going to lock them up, Mark. It has nothing to do with our relationship. In fact, if I lose the lock, I win because Mark's happy. Um, but I just what I saw from the Steelers the last two weeks, not just uh, the Mason Rudolph game, but the Week 16 game in the second half, was them finally say, all right, we need to open this offense up. The deep throws, both by Ben against the Titans and then throughout the game uh, um, – against the uh, the Browns in Week 17 tells me that they now understand that they have to spread this out. And if they could do that, then the Big bre- big Ben bread and butter underneath throws will work as well. And I just don't trust the Cleveland defense with no Vernon and Miles Garrett uh, being up and down in the second half of the season and the secondary the way that it is. I just feel like they're going to move the ball through the air on the Browns and put up points. Uh, so I think this is a you know, 30-21, to 30-24 type Steelers win. Whenever they've beaten Big Ben and the Steelers, and it, it's happened um, very few times, uh, when I look back at those games, there have been a couple of them, and it's not this year's team, but they have made life very difficult on Big Ben, and it's usually come with one or two plays where a not-great Browns defense um, generated points. And there have been a couple games this year where a not-great Browns defense had to generate points um, to win. And so they they have that in their DNA to some degree, but I'm with you. Um, if Denzel Ward was unable to be in this in this performance, um, I, I'd put Cleveland's win percentage mm. down in the 20s. I really would because it, part of what happened last week was Robert Jackson, who's never played in an NFL game, yeah. is getting torched by Chase Claypool, and he's going to be back in there again. And what, what will change thing, over six days? The Stefanski thing, we have no idea how big a deal it is because this is kind of like unprecedented right. territory. But right. that, I mean, he is the head coach of the football team, and it's a special teams coach that is going to be on the sideline as the leader of the men. And it's just like, oh, man, what does that mean? I, I really do feel for you, Mark, in all honesty. Like, this is not how you want to go into your first playoff game. It just feels like the deck is stacked against them. I do say, and we, you, you did great work, Mark, on the power ranking show this week. Thank you for coming on. My Wi-Fi didn't money. do great work. but No, but I, you, I you were to. great. We talked about this. The one thing I'll say, and this is why the lock, you know, doesn't sit too well with me in terms of confidence is, I, I could see Baker feeding off all this and getting hot yeah. and getting confident and getting that swagger going. That's how the Browns win, I think. Hmm. The whole team. The whole team. And I think, like, Alex Van Pelt calling plays, um, he's worked with Stefanski in games all year long to decide how drives and stuff would go. I think Stefanski's a really good play caller. So I don't, I think there's a drop off there, but it, that factor let, concerns me a little bit less than the players not available. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I would agree, especially because Stefanski is coaching the team remotely. They said he's basically, you know, everything's remote anyways this week for them. The fact they haven't practiced, like, that's an X At factor. All. But But we know, yeah, we know, like, coaches always say play Cowling's a little overrated. We know that his tw- first 20 plays are going to be the Stefanski plays. After that, it's on Van Pelt to adjust that. That is the uh, the great unknown, but like they need they need Garrett. Like and you know, it did worry me last week that you know he he was 
really not looking himself. He did have a pretty good Week 16 game, but that those matchups on the defensive line are basically the same this week as they were a week ago, except you're without Vernon. And the only pressure they got was really from Sheldon Richardson against the Steelers' backup center for the most part. The Steelers quietly have a rookie right tackle, I think Dotson, uh, who's been awesome. Like, that's why the Steelers are the Steelers, man. They draft Chase Claypool and some rookie right tackle you never heard of that's been awesome all year, Dotson. And Alex Highsmith, who got a sack on Baker. I think those sacks were more on Baker last week. Like, who's playing well? It's like, they just year after year, they, they Kevin Colbert gets it done. And, and I, I don't know. They're a little deeper. I hope not. I hope this is wrong. We need to get the Browns over the hump because if they don't win, it kind of won't feel like they got totally over the hump, unfortunately. Yeah, and yeah. You, you mentioned Miles Garrett, and which is just the, the really unfortunate kind of pandemic part that brings it all in, right, yep. is just the variance of the ways that people react to the virus. And, and Miles has, you know, been honest like this. He's struggling with this. And so if he can – uh, maybe he turns a corner uh, and, and he can make some plays. Uh, as you know, Dan mentioned that it's the secondary. Um, granted, it was Mason Rudolph, and so some of those were like lollipop balls. But like they were in position to make a play, and you, you just get mossed. And so like you you turn that around. Uh, you know, stranger things have happened. What, what? This feels like a big Chase yep. Claypool game too. I, I could picture Chris Collinsworth singing Ozana's about. Chase Claypool after another, you know, mm, massive turn that play. volume down. If this that is this is the yeah. game the public is on. You know, I track these things, and this is the game the public is on most unanimously. All for the Steelers. Everyone going all Steelers. It's, Wait, more than the Saints over the Bears? Well, in terms of like you know the the line, the things that Greg tracks. I track these things <laughs> yeah. in terms of things moving, where it's just like everyone thinks the Bear the Steelers are going to romp. So I to me that's a good Greg sign. Is full Musburger, right? That's now. a good yeah. sign for the the uh, the Jackpot, Browns. Baby. I feel like that's a good sign for you. the Browns. All right, like group think, please. There you go. How about that? The Browns in the playoffs. We're going to watch that. And a bummer. It's on Sunday night. It's in the middle of our podcast. We're, we're going to work it out. We're going to make it work, Mark. Well, it's what not the middle mean? of our podcast. We're anyway. going to do it after. What do you mean it's the middle of our podcast? <laughs> Dan's like, oh, no, we're going to record. No, we're going to start uh, at, at 815. Oh, you got me. And we're going to do. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, it, you're going to get my my true emotional response to the game like minutes after it ends. That's Can my, you give no, the people what they want? Because I know the way it is because it happens with the Jets, too. But. People are going to want your reaction throughout the game. Can you just give the people the the cam, the webcam, just <laughs> no, tracking you not, in the garage for four hours? That no webcaming. People love you, Mark. They want they want to live they want to live vicariously through you on Sunday night. Give the people what they want. I get tweets like when they're losing, like I'm really sorry they're losing, but I can't wait to see how you feel about this on the show. It's like. Okay, we are not. Um, we're, that's not helping our. Somebody check on at Mark Sessler. All right. Don't need it. Stuff. Patrick, thank you. You've said it all. You did it again. Thank you, guys. Thrilling. Clay Super Wildcard Bond <laughs> has been uh, incredible all season, uh, helping to fill in uh, on the West chair. And we thank Patrick for that. Thank all of you listeners uh, for um, following us all season long as we now dive into the postseason. We'll be back Sunday night recapping all six of these games and, of course, any other developments in the NFL um, as we get further away from New Horizons Monday. Oh, yes. It never stops, Mark. Here we go. This is Dan Anza signing off for Patrick Claybon, the old boss, with Quiet Storm and Ricky Hollywood behind the glass. Virtual. Until Sunday night!
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.